Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today we begin a new series that will lead us into Easter. And for these four weeks, I want us to look at the life of Christ and follow his journey to the cross. And I want you to know that this series is going to be life challenging for us. I intentionally chose that term life challenging because our lives have already been changed. Many of us in the room who have a relationship with Christ, our lives have already been changed. So we've had a life changing experience, but sometimes what we need as Christians is a life challenging experience. And so these, these four sermons, they're going to be life challenging for us because there is this haunting statement that Jesus makes throughout the gospels. And and it goes like this. It, It starts in Matthew 10 and 38. And it says, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And then a few chapters later in in chapter 16 and verse 24, it says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Then you get to Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. And it says, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And then in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. His path to the cross is a path that we too must journey on. But you see, you have to realize that His path to the cross began long before he carried a tree on his back. His path to the cross began long before he stood before Pilate. His path began before an angry mob shouted, crucify him, crucify him. His path to the cross began before he was even born. You see, his path to the cross actually began when humanity sinned against God. And it was that single act of disobedience that put the wheels in motion that would eventually cause the Son of God to feel such compassion for us that he would leave the throne of heaven to become one of us. To put on human flesh, deity becoming human flesh and becoming one of us. That was his path. It always amazes me how someone's life can spiral out of control. We've all seen it. An innocent baby grows up to become a menace to society. A precious adolescent eventually becomes a danger to themselves and others. A sweet child goes through life and develops an appetite for destruction. Some of you see what I did there. It leaves us scratching our heads wondering what happened to this life. For instance, I'll never forget this. My mom and dad knew a family from years ago when my dad was pastoring and, and, and they had a young boy in their home named Aubrey. And, and, and there were never any signs that this child would grow up to be a murderer. But this child grew up and ended up on death row and was executed on May 4th, 1989. And I remember sitting down talking with my mom and dad as they just scratched their heads trying to figure out what went wrong with this life. There is a progression in some lives that that just does not make sense. You look at it and you try and make sense of it, but it it just doesn't make sense. 
And I'm sure, now listen to me, this is where we're going to turn a little bit. I'm sure that there were people during that first century that they knew Jesus as a child. They remember little Jesus, friends, friends of the family, aunts, uncles, rabbis that knew little Jesus. And there had to come a point in time when they wondered what happened. I mean, Mary and Joseph's son was a good kid. He was polite and well-mannered. He was such a godly young man. No, really, he was divine. So he was a godly young man. And there was no social media to get the the day-to-day tabs on him. You didn't get the play-by-play of his life like we do now. You know, you get first day of kindergarten, second day of kindergarten, third day of kindergarten. Here's the first day of soccer. And, you know, all the way up till, you know, there's a picture of of you and your son walking off the basketball court his senior year with his arm around him. And everybody in the world sees that now Caleb is no longer playing basketball. But you see it. You see it all played out. There it is. But you didn't have social media then. So imagine the rumor mill on the night that Jesus was arrested. Can you, can you imagine what people were saying? What happened? So it leads us to, to ask this. How does a small town kid from Nazareth, a son of a local carpenter, top of his class at the synagogue, end up on a criminal's cross in Jerusalem. What went wrong with that life? People had to wonder. People had to, had to think to themselves, man, he was such a sweet kid, but now, now he's hanging on a cross. What went wrong with his life? What did this journey look like for him? We don't know much about his childhood, but we, we know enough to realize how his childhood shaped him. To start with, we know that he had very humble beginnings. I want to read from Luke chapter 2, and I'm actually going to read at two different points today from Luke chapter 2. So Luke chapter 2, let's start with verses 1 through 6. Luke 2, verses 1 through 6. And it reads, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. It's not even Christmas and, uh, and I'm reading you the Christmas story. On the day that I was born, the doctor told my mom that he was going to leave the hospital for a little while to get something to eat, just take a break. And my mom looked at him and said, you don't need to leave. I'm about to have this baby. To which the doctor said, no, 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 no. I'm the doctor. We've got time here. You're going to be fine. And he leaves the hospital. Now, you think that he would listen to my mom because I was the youngest of four boys. So she's already been down this path three times. But he's probably delivered hundreds of babies, right? So he's the professional in this. So he leaves the hospital. And as you can guess, while he is gone, I am born. As a matter of fact, it was a nurse that delivered me at the hospital. 
Now, now, something interesting happened after that. When they brought me out to show me off to the family and to let everyone see, you know, beautiful baby Rocky. <clears throat> Some things just don't change, right? <clears throat> and, so, and so when they brought me out to show me, you know, off to the family, they had run out of blue blankets. True story. They'd run out of blue blankets. So they wrapped me in, in a pink blanket. Now, I've got a choice to make. How will I identify? Oh, let's don't go there. Let's just say, uh, <clears throat> I've got a choice to make. I'm either going to act like a boy for the rest of my life or I'm going to act like a girl for the rest of my life. And being the youngest of four boys, don't you know my brother's probably had a say-so in which direction I'm going there, right? I could either let a pink blanket dictate who I'm going to become or I can make a decision and realize I am a man and I am going to become a man. <laughs> that had absolutely nothing to do with anything political, I assure you. <laughs> Jesus was not born into an ideal situation. Mom was a knocked up teenager. Don't, don't, don't get mad at me. That's how society looked at her. Mom was a knocked up teenager. He was rejected before he was even born because there was no room for him in the end. And the only people that showed up to celebrate his birth, now this is going to mess up your nativity scenes, but just stay with me. The only people that showed up to celebrate his birth besides his parents were shepherds. And shepherds were considered the low life of society, known to be economical with the truth. In other words, they lied a lot. And so they were economical with the truth is what the Midrash said about them. And when the shepherds came to town, it seemed that things just went missing. So when the, the shepherd caravan is coming through, hide your kids and hide your wife, okay? Things are going to go missing. And, and, and yet they were the visitation team sent to welcome him to the world. That when God sent angels to, to, to rally the troops and say, we need someone to come and, and worship him, we want the low life of society to be the ones that come. And I don't know about you, but everything I just listed, that's enough to scar a kid for life, right? That's enough to mess a kid up. You know, we celebrate the manger at Christmas. But, but you must understand what a manger represented, what it symbolized to a first century Jew. The manger was a feeding trough, nothing more, nothing less. It was a feeding trough. And we put up these small little mangers, these little figurines and such, all over our houses at Christmas time. A first century Jew would walk into our house and they would say, why do you have a cow buffet on your dining room table? Why is that there? It is a slop container. Why is that there? Why is there a plastic feeding trough in your front yard that lights up and it's got a baby in it? You are sick. What is wrong with you people? You know, at Easter, we will celebrate an empty tomb. But before you can celebrate an empty tomb, you must first celebrate an empty manger. So many people go through life and they allow the circumstances of life to dictate who they will become. Jesus didn't allow his humble beginnings to keep him from fulfilling his destiny. And too many people allow the hand that life dealt them dictate their future. Listen, life dealt you the cards. How you play those cards is up to you. 
But, but pastor, I was born poor. I was born underprivileged. I was born overlooked. I was born disadvantaged. I, I was left out. You just don't know my circumstances. Jesus did not allow the circumstances surrounding his birth to dictate who he would become. You may have been born poor, but don't stay poor. You may have been born under privilege, but count yourself as privileged. You're a child of the king. Maybe you were overlooked, but I promise you, his eye is on the sparrow and it's on you too. You may have been disadvantaged, but greater is he who is within me than he who is in the world. Maybe you were left out, but he's never left you out. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So get over yourself and your circumstances. So what? Life's not fair. But we serve a mighty God that can put you on your path to your destiny. And the next time we read about him, he's now an adolescent. Thanks to Luke, we get a glimpse of a 12-year-old Jewish boy named Jesus in this obscure Palestinian village. Same chapter, verse 41. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. And they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. We don't know how many times Jesus had been to Jerusalem up until that point. We know that, that after he was born, that Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem in order to present him to the Lord as was custom with Jewish law. We do know that his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the Feast of Passover. And whether he accompanied them or not is a mystery to us. We don't know that. But this particular Passover was different. It was a coming of age moment because now Jesus is 12. And at 12 years old, a boy was in his final year of preparation until he became a son of the law. Today, a young Jewish boy turning 13, completing that 12th year, would celebrate what we call, or what they call, bar mitzvah. Bar meaning son, mitzvah meaning commandment, son of the commandment. Commandment being part of the law, so son of the law. And this signified that he was now entering into full participation in the religious life of the synagogue. In other words, soon Jesus would be accountable for his own actions, both socially and religiously, because they were one and the same in that society. We could learn a lot from that. Well, imagine if, if our standards for living socially 
exemplified what we believe religiously. Let me keep moving because I will stay there for a while. Here's what I know. It's hit or miss with most 12-year-olds. It is. And, and, and listen, if your 12-year-old uh, falls into this category, I don't want you to go home and beat them or anything like that, okay? It, it's hit or miss. It's 50-50. Some 12-year-olds just have no clue what they want to be when they grow up. And it's okay. They've got time to figure that out. One day, they want to be a professional basketball player. The next day, they want to be the president of the United States. The next day, they may want to be a trash man. All are acceptable. All are okay. But some 12-year-olds, we must admit this, that they are just scattered when it comes to their future and that's fine but then there are those that are focused and they are determined there's some of you in the room that at 12 years old you knew exactly what you wanted to be I knew what I wanted to be I wanted to be an astronaut at 12 years old and and I'm not joking what changed my mind was a shuttle explosion. I was like, I'm not going to do that. That's, there's there's got to be something better for me. And, and so I remember sitting in a classroom watching the, the Challenger blow up. And I thought, that's, that's not what I want to do anymore. But though, there are those kids that are focused and determined. My daughter knew around 12 to 13 years old, that she wanted to be a children's pastor when she grew up. Even in seventh grade, she wrote a report about it and interviewed our children's pastor at the time just so she could get some, 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 some material for her research paper. Steve Jobs wrote about his early fascination with computers. In his autobiography, he wrote these words. He said, I was 13 years old and already knew what I wanted to do. Today, we are certainly glad that he did. Everyone that has a smartphone in here. There's like two people in the room that have a flip phone and you know who you are. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus knew what he wanted to do with his life at the age of 12. And he sums it up with one sentence. One sentence. Luke 2 and 49. And he says these words. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? I know the King James Version is hard sometimes to understand, but I love the way the King James Version translates this. When Jesus looks at them and says, Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Didn't you know, mom? If you're looking for me, didn't you know that I would have to be at my father's house, going about my father's business. It's interesting to me that Mary tells him, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he answers her by referring to his heavenly father when he says, I must be about my father's business. In other words, I know who my real dad is, mom. And I am ready to get this show on the road. He was determined to be about the father's business. It's as if he was saying, I'm not going to be a carpenter. There's a calling on my life and I need to make that clear to the world. It is time for me to take the stage. So, so let's talk about it real quick. What was his father's business? What was this thing, that, this burning desire in his heart? What is all of that about? I think 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 just sums all of that up for us. It says, he personally, personally, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. 
That's his father's business. That was his cause. We were his father's business, and business was good for us. It was. It was a great deal for humanity, and he fulfilled that calling on the cross when he said, it is finished, and then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What was finished? His father's business was finished. He had completed his calling in his life. And the path to the cross had to go through a 12-year-old Jewish kid that, thank God, he knew his purpose in life. Knew it. There was no doubt in that moment as he stood there and he answered questions and he asked questions and, and they were amazed at his questions and amazed at his answers. He knew what his calling in life, it was the Father's business and this is what I have to complete but for the next 18 years, the life of Christ is very vague and it is very quiet. We, we don't know. We don't know if he had acne as a teenager. We have no idea. We don't know if his voice changed while going through puberty. We, we don't know if his friends tempted him at spring break. You know, Jesus, change water into wine. You know? No, guys, our time has not yet come, for we are not yet 21, you know? <laughs> we don't know if he made the swim team at NHS. Relax, Trenton. Nazareth High School, okay? Just relax. Not Newberry. But can you imagine if Jesus made the swim team? Everybody's on the starting block getting ready to jump in. They all dive in and Jesus just starts running on water. Yeah. I don't know. We don't know. All of that's left out. We don't know much about his life. We don't know anything about his life until he's around 30 years old and he's baptized by his cousin John. That's where it picks back up. For all that we know, he worked in the family business and became a carpenter like Joseph. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 3, it pretty much puts the details on that when the people ask, is, this, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? As a matter of fact, we never hear of Joseph again and his earthly father in Scripture after Jesus at 12 years old. We don't know exactly what happened to him. What most likely happened was that, that Joseph died soon after that. Mary probably killed him for leaving God at Jerusalem at 12 years old, but we'll, we'll just leave that up to speculation. We know that Jesus probably had to become the man of the house and provide for the family, thus solidifying the trade of carpentry, that he would have to pick up the hammer, pick up the nails, the chisel, and begin performing in the family business. We know this because verse 51 of chapter 2 says that he went back to Nazareth and was submissive to them. At 12 years old, he knows his purpose. He is to be about his father's business. But it's at 12 years old that he makes the decision to obey his parents and return back to Nazareth. And his calling has to go on hold for just a moment. And a moment would turn into a year, and another year, and another year, and another year. You know, you think about this. It's tough to know your purpose at 12 years old, 
and have to go through life and not be able to fulfill that purpose until you're 30. And for 18 years, he held on to his calling, waiting for the right moment to seize his destiny. Listen to me. You might be working for the man right now, longing to own your own business. It's not for everybody, but it's for some. And you might be longing to own your own business. Stay faithful. Your dream will show itself. You may have postponed your career to raise your kids. Stay faithful. Your purpose will manifest. You may feel like you are so far away from your calling, but keep your head up because Philippians 1 and 6 tells us that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. You may have got the vision 18 years ago, but stay faithful. They may not have talked about you for years. You have not been up for raises. They might not even consider you relevant anymore. You might not even be on their radar right now. But I want to assure you, God has a purpose for you. And he's got a calling on your life. And nothing can stop it. And when God wants to raise you up, God will raise you up. And man can't hinder that. Some of you, you feel like you're in a holding pattern right now. Stay faithful. Provide for the family. Do what you know is right to do during this moment. And in due season, God will exalt you. I recently heard a story of a group of passengers that were sitting on an airport shuttle heading to their connecting flight when the bus driver was told over the radio Hold in place. They told the bus driver, hold in place. And it looked like the entire bus would miss their connecting flight. And this was more than one passenger could handle. And he exploded at the driver, insisting he ignore his orders or risk the wrath of a lawsuit. Threatening, I'm going to sue you and your airline if I miss this flight. Just then... An airline employee came dashing up on the bus carrying a briefcase and looking at the angry man, the, the airline employee triumphantly held the briefcase above his head and, and he said, you left your briefcase, sir, and I heard you mention how important your meeting was and I figured you would need this and he handed the briefcase to the angry man. Verse 52 says that during his years of waiting, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. You might be in that holding place. I, I could sit here and lie to you and tell you it's right around the corner. Are we there yet? It's right around the corner. Are we there yet? It's right around the corner. It's what parents do on a road trip, right? We just lie. I could tell you that. The truth is, God's notorious for having people wait years. Moses waited 40 years in the wilderness before he could answer the call on his life. Some believe Joseph sat somewhere around 16 years in slavery and prison waiting on his calling 
to manifest. Jesus himself, 18 years waiting. Knowing his purpose at 12 years old, but not being able to begin fulfilling that purpose until he was 30. Don't despise the season that you're in. It's the path to the cross. And you will grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. Is that not the cross anyway? God and men? Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.